Okay, welcome back to Tanya. We are actually on chapter 28. So that is really, really awesome. I am gonna spend a few minutes of this class doing a little bit of a more thorough review because we did have a really long break and we need to like acclimate back into our Tanya headspace, okay? So starting with chapter one. Chapter one, we were introduced to the to five types of people, two types of tzaddikim, two types of rishaim, and bainani. Bainani is the person that we are most focused on, right? If you remember, Tanya is called Sefer Shel Bainanim, the book of the in-betweeners. This is where our goal is. This is where we're moving towards. Um, and that's where we spend most of the time talking about. At the end of chapter one, it introduces us to this concept that we have two souls within us. And it introduces us to the animal soul first. And the animal soul is um, selfishly inclined, okay? It's all about self-preservation. However it's going to stay alive, that's, how, um, that's what it will do at all costs, okay? Chapter two introduces us to the godly soul. The godly soul is the exact opposite of the animal soul in the sense that it is um, has a drive for selflessness, right? It wants to have as least self as possible and wants to reunite and connect with God, okay? So we have two souls within us who want completely opposite things, right? And we learned in chat, and what the altar tells us is that, so if you think Sometimes you're like, I feel crazy because um, I sometimes I'm so spiritual and then sometimes I want nothing to do with spirituality. The author tells us it makes sense. It makes sense that this is what's happening because you have two souls within you that want completely opposite things. Okay. Chapter three, we learn a little bit more of the anatomy of the soul. Is this sounding familiar? Yes. Okay, good. Um, we, we know that the soul has 10 powers, right? And it's a mirror of the 10 um, spherotes that God has in the soul is called powers or capabilities. Um, and there are 10 powers, seven emotional powers and three intellectual powers. What did we learn about the, these, these um, capabilities that the intellectual powers are the parents to the emotions, okay? Um, the intellect gives birth to emotions. What you think about is how what you're going to end up caring about. Remember, we talked about this a lot. We went into a lot of discussions about this, right? So every single emotion actually stems from our intellect, okay? Chapter four, we talk about the garments of the soul, the clothing. How are these modes of expression, how are these capabilities actually expressed? How does the soul use, how do we use these powers, right? It's great that we have all these powers. How do they, what are their modes of expression? Um, that is thought, speech, and action. And remember, we said that you might not think that thought is a behavior, but thought is a behavior. Why is thought a behavior? Because it has a beginning and an end, right? And what, what did we learn that we talk about all the time? You can't control the knock on the door, but you can decide if you're gonna open the door or not, 
right? So you can't control the what you think of, but you do control what you think about, okay? That is like a really, really, really important principle. So yes, you might have a thought that enters your head, which is not in your control, but what's in your control is how much you're gonna focus on that thought and if you're gonna let it in, because you could push it away, okay? That's chapter four. Chapter five, we learn all about Torah and the fact that Torah is the food of the soul, okay? Um, why, like Torah is the food of the soul, because just like food is, gets totally absorbed within our body, so too, when we learn Torah, it permeates and is absorbed in, in our entire body. And you can't unknow something. Once you learn Torah, you can't unknow it. It is now a part of you. Chapter six, everything the godly soul has, the animal soul has too. So we spend all this time learning about the anatomy of the godly soul. Now, the, the animal soul is an exact mirror of the godly soul. It has all the 10 powers and has all the same garments, but it's used in a mundane, selfish way instead of a holy, selfless way, okay? Is everybody with me so far? Okay, if there's a question, please let me know. Um, okay, chapter seven and eight, we talk about just like there's good and evil inside of us, so too in the world there is good and evil, okay? Um, 99% of the world is neutral, which means we have the ability to elevate it. We can take mundane things and either make it holy or make it unholy, depending on what we choose to do, okay? There's 1% of the world that's either inherently holy, right? Like a Torah scroll, a mezuzah, those things are, the physical objects are holy. And there's a tiny, tiny percentage of things that are inherently unholy. What did we say about the things that are unholy? Do not try to elevate it. Do not touch. We, we use the term, do not trespass. You know, when there's a sign in Montana, there we have these signs a lot. Um, do not trespass, right? We are armed. So, with unholy things like a ham sandwich, don't try, don't think if you make a blessing on a ham sandwich, you're going to elevate it. It is not elevatable, okay? Do not go near it. Um, but very, very, very little of the world is in that category. Most of the world is neutral, which means we have the ability to either elevate it or lower it depending on what we do, okay? Chapter nine talks about the small city. Our body's like a small city, and there are two kings that are vying for um, complete control. Who are the two kings? Our animal soul and our godly soul. They both want to control our body, which we are equating to a small city. Okay, chapter 10, we learn a little bit more about what the tzaddik is. We don't spend a lot of time talking about the tzaddik because we said this in the beginning, that's not our goal. Very, 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 very few people in the world um, have the ability to become a tzaddik. Um, that is not in our wheelhouse. Our goal is to get closer to becoming a bani. So we understand tzaddik. We want to know what a tzaddik is just for like, like um, what's it called? Re relative purposes. And just knowing like what a tzaddik is and what a tzaddik provides for a generation. But it's not anything we do. We, we take one chapter and that's it. Um, and the same is for chapter 11. We talk about the two types of Russia. And 
there's a, a complete Russia and an incomplete Russia. We said the only difference between a complete Russia and an incomplete Russia is the lack of remorse. A Russia is, most of the world is in the Russia category, meaning we don't always have complete control over our actions. Um, and that's our journey. But a complete Russia, which also is said to be extremely rare, is somebody who sins without remorse. Okay, chapter 12. And all the way through 15 is when we learn more about the Bainani, okay? Um, this is where it's at, right? This is where our goal is at. This is what we're trying to understand better and accomplish more. I'm so sorry. Um, okay. Um, so we learn about the Bainani, right? We learn that the Bainani has an active enemy within him. He... Um, he we lost my train of thought for a second. Yeah, he has perfect behavior. Remember, a tzaddik, I, I can't go into all the every single detail that we learned, but a tzaddik and a bainani from the outside look exactly the same, right? Because a, a bainani has perfect behavior. What's the difference? His insides are a disaster. There's always turmoil going on inside of him. The animal soul is very much alive, very much wants him to, to transgress. But the baby does not give in. So the, the, the enemy is always there, but it's never victorious, okay? And in chapter 15, we learn that there's two categories of Bainani. We have the Bainani who works hard and the Bainani who doesn't, right? We all know those people. Maybe you are even a lucky one that it's easy for them to behave, right? Like they don't have to work so hard to um, to, to follow the Torah, to do what's right. And we said, that's great, but that's not service. That's not servicing Hashem, right? What did we learn about service? Effort equals service. In order to be actually serving God, you have to put in the effort. You have to be challenging yourself. So there's a Bainani that works hard, which means it's hard for him. He's putting in the effort. And then there's the Bainani that's, e it's easy for him, but then we, the Tana tells us how we push that Bainani and make him work hard too, okay? Chapter 16 and 17, we learned all about meditation, right? So meditation is a tool that we use to try to get our emotions congruent with our actions because it's not so sustainable to always be fighting and serving God's will um, in this huge battle, right? It's, it gets exhausting. So at some point we want to want to serve God, right? We want to want to do this. We want to take pleasure in it. And that's where meditation comes in, where we can meditate on certain aspects of God that bring out the love and, and awe and, and joy in serving Hashem. So we, we touch upon, we're going to get into it more in the chapter in, in the thirties about actually specific things to meditate on, but we touch upon this concept of meditation so we can learn how to um, get our emotions, you know, working with us instead of against us. Okay. Chapters 18 through 25, we spent a really long time. Those are really uh, deep chapters where we talked about, okay, so let's say we don't have Meditation takes time, right? Let's say we don't have a lot of time and we need to feel God's love instantly, right? So how do we elicit this instant feeling of, of love? We have, everyone within them has a latent love, an Ava Musateras that gets triggered 
in the moment of Mesiras um, Nefesh, which is um, self-sacrifice. But we don't live a self-sacrifice every day. So we went into like seven chapters of what actually self-sacrifice means. And we went on a huge tangent on the oneness of God, right? The unity of God and how nothing exists outside of God. Do you remember those seven chapters that we that we did that was pretty intense? So, so now we have many tools. We have meditation to get our emotions with us, but meditation takes a long time. Um, and it's, what's it called? And it, it's, it, it doesn't happen instantly. And then we have this latent love that we know how to elicit instantly. And so we have that under our belt too. Then over here is where um, we can actually say that Tanya can finish. We have all our tools. We have a plan. If we did everything that the Tanya says, we would be on the right trajectory. But what happens? We don't live in a perfect world and we have challenges. So chapter 26 comes along and says, okay, now we have to troubleshoot. We're going to troubleshoot our emotional problems. Okay. So chapter 26 split, splits the emotional problems into two. We have our physical problems, which usually include children, money, um, and um, um, health. Okay. Most I think all problems can fall into that category. So how do we troubleshoot when we are feeling um, emotionally challenged and with physical problems, we learn how to deal with that. And then spiritual problems, when we feel challenged spiritually, and that's what chapter 26 deals with. Chapter 27, it's gonna be a section of dealing with troubleshooting our issues. Chapter 27 deals with shame, right? Um, oh, by the way, spiritual problems, i.e. guilt, right? Guilt of doing something, transgressing, doing a sin. Chapter 27 comes along about shame. Shame is not about something that you did. It's about who you are. Like you just feel shame for wanting to sin. Not even if you don't sin, you still feel shame for being the person that would want to sin, right? So the altar deals with that. And here we are in chapter 28, troubleshooting the next problem. Okay. That was like, I just threw a lot of things at you, but that was supposed to be a review. Um, anyone who has not, um, learned with us, the previous chapters, they are all on YouTube. They're actually now all on iTunes. You can always learn them and get all the details in there. And it, it's okay. If it's out of order, you, it will be fine, but we are now going to start chapter 28. And we are, oh, any questions? Any brief questions before we move on? Okay. Um, chapter 28, um, we're continuing on this troubleshooting section. And um, we are going to um, basically, we're getting really detailed in this chapter. Okay. So um, we, we now, we, after all, like after we did this whole review, we now know how to manage our behaviors, right? We have the tools to manage our behaviors, right? We, we actually didn't mention those tools in the review, but we have Moach Shal Dahalev, which means two different things, right? The first way to use Moach Shal Dahalev is self-control, right? Um, we, 
we, we all have the ability to exercise self-control. And then the other is um, the meditation process, right? Like getting your emotions and your actions to kind of work together. So we know how to manage our behaviors, right? And um, now we are figuring out how to manage our mood, okay? Because if we aren't in a good place, then we don't serve God in a good place, right? And God wants us to serve him with joy. So how do we manage our moods? And this is where this troubleshooting comes in, right? Now, um, and remember, I mean, I was going to, it's last chapter, but it was a few months ago. We learned about the, the parable that the Tanya gives about the wrestler, right? Who's the best wrestler, who there is no reason in the world why he shouldn't win the, the match, but he woke up in a bad mood. He's feeling off. He's cranky. And of course he loses the match. Why? His abilities didn't change. He just wasn't in a good place. So he wasn't able to perform well. So when we're not in a good place emotionally, we are not able to perform well for God. And we want to give God our best. That's what we're here in this world for. We want to give God our best. So we constantly need to be working on our emotional health, right? So in order to be a healthy Jew, in order to serve God in a healthy way, we have to be healthy people, right? So, and this is coming from the Tanya, right? I always tell you, OG therapy, psychology, because this is, this is, this is foundation, is that if we want to give someone our best, everything done in joy is done better. No one can ever tell you that something that was done in joy was worse off. Okay. So obviously we want to give God our best. And so we want to serve God with joy. So what comes in the way of serving God with joy? Our emotional problems, right? Whether they're physical emotional problems or they're spiritual emotional problems, those are the things that get in our way of serving God with joy. Okay. So um, here we are. We, we troubleshooted a bunch of them the last couple chapters. And now we have a very specific problem. The problem is, is um, the per we have a complaint. The person coming to the altar of a and asking this question has a complaint. He says, every time I open up my sitter, I open up my prayer book to Davin, all of a sudden I have all these foreign thoughts. Who has not experienced that? When I Davin, when I pray, which is an unusual occurrence at these days, but I try, of course, the second I open up my prayer book, my sitter, all of the sudden, my scheduling conflicts come into my head, I'm distracted by all the all my children's whatever they're dealing with. I'm hungry, I'm tired, I'm cranky. And then not only that, sometimes we have even inappropriate thoughts, right? We have desires or 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 um what's the word I'm looking for? Whatever. We have we have inappropriate thoughts in our head that to do something that is actually inappropriate, right? So they can be just regular foreign thoughts or they can be inappropriate thoughts. Either way, they're distracting and they're, and they're coming and destroying our davening, okay? 
What is up with that? It's very disturbing, right? Here I am taking the time out of my day, even though it's hard to give to God. And all of a sudden, here comes my Yitzhahara. Here comes my evil inclination and starts bothering me, okay? Um, so if you've been learning Tanya with me um, long enough, what do you think the altar of is going to say number one? What's he going to say? What's he going to tell us number one? If you know the trajectory of how the altar of thinks and what he tells us and how he guides us, what do you think he's going to say the first time before he says anything else? Anyone? Better not to daven until you feel better. No. Till you're ready. No, because that could be never, right? If we wait till we're ready, sometimes that's never going to happen. What the altar is going to tell us first and foremost is don't feel bad about it. Right? Don't feel bad. And then he's going to tell us why. But always and every time, every time we are having a trouble, the first, like with the guilt and with the shame, the altar said the same thing with all those things. Every single time the altar says, don't feel bad about it. And let me tell you, actually, you should feel very good about it. This is a compliment. And let's understand why. Okay. Um, first of all, before we understand why we should feel good about it, the, 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 the best way to ruin your relationship with God and your Yiddish guide is to feel bad about things that you're not feeling good about, or you're not doing right, or you're not whatever, you, you're not feeling successful. It's the first way to destroy your relationship with Hashem. That shame and that guilt is going to destroy your relationship with Hashem. There is never an appropriate time. And the altar says it's in the last two chapters. So if you want to learn it more in depth, listen to the recording. The altar said there is never an appropriate time for shame and guilt. They will never get you to a positive place. They have no use. Shame and guilt do not serve us. So there is never an appropriate time for them. Okay. So, um, but then we have the question, well, how could we not feel bad? How could we not feel bad? Here we are, you know, trying to give God some of, some of ourselves by davening and we're distracted by foreign mundane thoughts or inappropriate thoughts, right? Like this is, this, how do we not feel bad about this? Okay. What kind of a person am I? What kind of a person am I that sits down to Dalvin and this is when I start to think about all the inappropriate things? Okay, one second. I, there's something in the chat box. Okay. Okay, so great. So someone just said that this is, this is a real struggle, right? This is a real practical struggle that I'm sure every single one of us have, has experienced at one point or another, okay? So the author says, number one, don't feel bad about it. But then we need some practical advice. What do you think the practical advice is going to be? It's not going to be rocket science, but the beauty is in the simplicity. What do you think we're going to say? Ignore it. That's exactly what I do. Ignore it. If an inappropriate thought comes into your head or a foreign mundane scheduling, whatever comes into your head, ignore it. 
Okay, that is the number one advice that the Alter Rebbe gives, right? And then the Alter Rebbe says, you might have, I've never heard of it, but there's somebody who's more, people who are more learned, I'm sure have heard of it. Um, if you might have heard somewhere about a different method, don't do it. Okay, now we're curious, right? Like, what's this method? You know, when we tell a kid, don't do this, and then they go and do it because that's just very enticing. That's kind of how I felt when I learned about this. I'm like, oh, what am I not supposed to do? Like, let me go do that. Um, but the author was going to tell us, there is a method. It actually originates from the Baal Shem Tov. And um, the, the method is that if you have a foreign thought that's not connected to Hashem, what you need to do is to separate the emotion from the thought. So for example, let's say you have a thought for an inappropriate relationship, right? What's the emotion behind that thought is love, right? So what, what the Baal Shem Tov says is that you, you separate the love from the thought and you redirect the love to God. And you say, okay, in the base of this thought is love. So I can redirect my love now to God. And that's how you deal with these inappropriate thoughts. The altar says, do not touch it. It's not going to work. Okay. Who is this method for? These methods, this method is, is for a tzaddik, okay? A tzaddik is able to do this. And you might say, well, tzaddikim don't have inappropriate thoughts. What does this even mean? But tzaddikim are super, super sensitive. So if they're davening in a shul, they can pick up inappropriate thoughts from other people. And this is the method that they would use from the outside inappropriate thoughts that they're picking up from their surroundings. And it's, it's like giving an example of saving someone who's drowning, right? A tzaddik can see somebody who's drowning and pull them out and save them. But a, a, a striving Bainani, it's like trying to save yourself from drowning. Are you going to succeed? No. It's like pulling yourself up by your hair. Like you're trying to lift yourself up by your hair. It's not going to work. The author says this, this, it's like getting, it's like um, playing in, um, what was, what's the example? Like Wrestling with somebody who's dirty, you get dirty, right? Play, delving into this will just make us dirty and it will sink us lower in. We do not have the ability to take the time, separate the emotions and the thoughts and um, mess with that, okay? It's, it's just not gonna be appropriate for us, okay? So, um, and he go, and the algebra goes to great lengths to even say, don't be an idiot. Don't be a fool. Don't be stupid. Okay. It's not a smart idea. This is not for us to touch. So, um, it's, it, it's like, we're, there's this concept of like embracing the dark side. Right. But sometimes like we, so there is a difference because the Tanya talks about we have to embrace our reality, right? We should not have guilt or shame about who we are and what we've accomplished and what we still need to work on, right? But those are general ideas and concepts. So we do embrace our reality of who we are, the good, the bad, and the ugly, but 
not in specific scenarios and specific situations where we have to delve in and pick apart what is appropriate in that thought and what's not and redirect it for God. That is just not something that we want to mess with. So we go back to our original plan, which is ignoring, right? This thought comes into your head and you ignore it. You ignore it, okay? So um, now you might think that this is a sign that you're just an awful person because you have these foreign thoughts that are disturbing your prayers. And this is the altar becomes to explain to us why really the opposite is true. This is where the you should feel good about it comes in, right? So why is the opposite true? Why do you think that the animal soul, the Yetzir Hara, is now deciding to bother you? Because you've upped your game, right? He now knows, oh, this person is now going to connect to Hashem. He's really good at it. It actually works. So now I need to wake up and do my job, right? If we weren't engaged and we weren't trying to be holy, then the altar, then the, the animal soul would also be relaxed and sleeping and resting. But because you are actively engaging in the service of God, he needs to wake up and actively engage and do his job. What's his job? His job is to distract you. So the message that you should be internalizing when the animal soul is bothering you is like, oh, I'm doing my job and the animal soul is doing his job. This makes sense, right? So when you take the, um, the sting away, when you take this like big ominous, like this is a bad thing that's happening, so much of it is actually going to go away and disappear because it's not that scary. We're doing our job. The animal soul is doing his job. If, if it was one soul, if we only had one soul, and the same soul that was davening was also just trying to distract you, that would be a problem, right? That would be like, ooh, what's going on here? But remember from chapter one, we have two souls that want two opposite things. So the, the godly soul is doing his job. The animal soul is doing his or her job, right? And everyone's doing their job. So it's not so scary. So when we open up the sitter to Davin and we get foreign thoughts, we just, we can tell ourselves, oh, everyone's doing their job. Both of my souls are doing their job. And then it takes the like scariness out of it. And then what we do next is we ignore the thoughts. Remember what we just we reviewed about when chapter three, right? We get knocks on the door all the time in our brain, right? We always get these thoughts that want to bring us down in our head but we don't have to open the door. So the same thing during prayer, you can get all these knocks on your brain that says, open the door, open the door, open the door, but we don't have to open the door. That's where our self-control comes in. So when this is happening, this is not a bad, scary thing. This is a compliment to you. This is saying, wow, you are doing your job really well. If you weren't doing your job really well, the animal soul would stay asleep. But because you're doing your job really well, the animals will have to wake up and he has to do his job. And now we have to do our job, which is ignore. Okay. Now, um, 
you may think that um, distracted davening is, is less than, right? We may think, okay, well, if my davening is distracted, then I might as well not do it. Or my, my distracted davening is worth less. The truth is that it's the same to God. You're davening, you're doing what you need to do. If the davening is about how you feel and your accomplishment and how spiritual you feel about your davening, that's a selfish exercise, right? But if it's about God, if it's all about doing what God wants because he, this is what he asks of us and this is how we connect with him, then a, then a davening is davening. It doesn't matter to God whether your davening is distracted or not. It might feel better for us to have a, a less of a distraction, but that's not what it's about. That turns your service a little bit into a selfish exercise, okay? And we constantly have to remind ourselves, what is this about? What am I doing and why am I doing it, okay? So um, now... Um, let me just make sure I didn't miss anything. Okay. Now let's say, so, so this, this foreign thought comes into your head, you are letting it go. Right. And you're not identifying with this thought. You're just, you're not identifying with it. Okay. Um, now there is the altar of it does give us a plan B and the plan B is, um, goes like this. Let's say it gets very exhausting to constantly like you're ignoring, but the thoughts don't stop. You know, sometimes you, you know, like sometimes you ignore somebody and they eventually like go away. Right. But let's say your animal soul is very persistent and the thoughts just keep on coming, keep on coming, and they don't leave you alone. And it's exhausting and you're not able to keep up with it anymore. So the plan B is, the alternative gives us a plan B and it is plan B. Um, and it goes like this. You need to humble yourself before Hashem, right? And beg him to have mercy on your soul um, so it doesn't look like this. Hey God, I'm davening for you anyway. So like, take, can you like take care of this? That's arrogant, right? Humbling yourself before God is like, God, please, I'm begging you. I'm trying so hard to daven and these thoughts just don't go away. Um, please have mercy on my soul. And then you remind God that really my soul is a part of you. So have mercy on yourself, right? Because the peace of God inside of me is trying to connect to you. And I can't, it's too hard. They ignoring doesn't work. The distractions are too hard. So please have mercy on yourself. Basically we're begging God to have mercy on himself because our soul is a piece of God and um, it's just, it's ridiculous. It's not working. So the author wants to tell you that um, really plan A will work. If you persevere and you stick to it, plan A will work. If it's becoming too much for you, 
at the end of the day, plan, plan A will work. But if it's taking till plan A actually works, it's taking too much of a toll on you. Plan B is to beseech God to have mercy on our soul, which is a part, a piece of him. That's plan B. Okay. So, um, you're okay. You're so basically that's, that's the end of the chapter. Let's review for a second. We, what we discussed in this chapter is the difficulty of davening that when we daven, we have foreign thoughts or inappropriate thoughts, right? They could be permissible or not permissible. Um, and you, we learned a few things. First of all, um, you, this is a good thing that you should not feel bad about, right? This is your animal soul doing its, its job while you're doing your job. The best way to deal with this distraction is to ignore, right? Do not open the door from the knocks. Don't identify with these thoughts. Let them go, okay? Um, your prayer is worth just as much distracted or not distracted. You might enjoy it more without distraction, right? But that's not what this is about, right? We're not on a selfish journey here, um, okay? Um, we want Hashem to have the most out of us, right? Um, and, and the best way to give Hashem the most out of us is to be able to serve him with joy. And this is why we are troubleshooting these emotional problems, okay? So plan A, ignore, 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 ignore. Plan A will work. But if it's getting hard to persevere through that process, we have plan B, which is beseeching God to have mercy on our soul, which is a part of him. Okay, that concludes chapter 28. Any questions? Now, for those of you who are new um, to the Tiny class, we do a short meditation at the end of class to kind of just settle. Um, oh my goodness, these phone calls um, to, to settle to Tanya is a practical, um, work, which we want to take home with us. We don't want to learn just philosophical concepts. We want to apply this to our daily lives. So I find that that meditation, um, allows us to just think about what we want to take home with us during this week till next class. <gasps> my goodness. What is happening? Um, I'm very sorry. I have to figure out how to turn off my like phone calls when this is happening. Um, okay. So any questions before meditation? To turn it off, put it on the air airplane. I know, but I'm doing the live on my phone also. Oh, that so I, I don't know yeah. if I can do that. I'll have to figure it out. Sorry yeah. for the interruptions. Okay. Yes, you have yes. a question? Yeah, two little things I wanted to mention. So when you're okay. talking about um, plan B, if it becomes really unbearable and you have to use plan B, do you just like while you're dubbing, while these thoughts are coming? Yeah, in you your say head. Say it out loud. You don't have to even say it out loud. You just have to think it in your okay. head. Please, just, God. Yeah, just in your head. Please, God. Like, I need your help. I'm not getting rid of these distractions. It's too hard for me. I need your help. 
Okay. 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 We have a chat in the box. Sorry. Okay. I think you're doing a good job at your job. And if you're actually cognizant of the struggle, if you're not, like, okay. I feel like you're really only doing a good job at your davening if you're actually cognizant of the struggle. If you're not, if you're like not even feeling guilty, then you're not really doing a good job. Okay. So, um, let, uh, let me see if I understand this correctly. If not, please correct me. So basically we need to be aware of our struggle because if we're not even aware of our struggle, then we're not in tune enough, right? If we're not in tune enough in our journey, then we're, our, we're kind of, we're kind of absent. Did I get that right? And I think that's very true. When we're aware of where we're struggling and we're aware that this is a journey and we're aware that this is um, a, like, oh, this is hard. That's good. The thing that I would would not agree with is that we're not supposed to feel guilty because guilty leads to shame and then it leads to depression and then it leads to moods. Um, and um, that is not how we serve God to our fullest. People on Instagram live, do you not hear me anymore? Give me a thumbs up if you hear me. Huh. I guess the live is not working anymore. No, something sense. else. Something okay. else I wanted to mention to you about the last class. Yes. You posted it on on YouTube, but it said it stated chapter 28. I know I have to fix that. Thank you okay. very much because 26, remember we, um, we, we've split 26 into two. Right. So there's 26 part one, 26 part two, and then 27. It was mislabeled. Thank you very, very much. I will take care of that. Okay, I'm going to start. I'm going to start the live again in a minute. Hold on. Okay. See if it'll work. Okay, I'm back live. I don't know if I lost any of you guys or not um we'll start the meditation okay so everybody get comfortable do you hear me give me thumbs up if you hear me um get thank you <laughs> thank you my zoom people okay take a deep breath in through your nose out through your mouth in through your nose, out through your mouth. I want you to focus on your breath. Um, don't try to change it in any way. Is your breath shallow? Is it deep? Is it slow? Is it fast? Just lean into whatever your breath is doing naturally. Now, I want you to visualize a bright light shining into your body and dissolving any tension that you might be holding. So first step would be to notice if you're holding any tension, notice where that tension is at, and then visualize your tension just melting away. Just sit there for a minute 
while you're totally letting yourself relax. Okay, so now that we're a little less tense, we're a little bit more relaxed, these are the thoughts that I want you to take home with you. An inappropriate thought is a sign of your success in prayer. So it should spark joy. When your animal saw, and when your animal soul saw that it was losing the competition for your attention, it felt the need to fight back. So it threw you a thought, okay? So this whole experience should spark joy. Instead of getting depressed, however high, hard you try to concentrate, you cannot rid yourself of inappropriate thoughts. Say to yourself, wow. I was praying with such devotion that my animal soul felt really threatened and tried to do something about it. I must be doing really well. Okay, this is what I want you to go home with. Anytime you have an inappropriate thought during a prayer or doing anything godly, it needs to spark joy. Joy that you're doing your job, you're doing something right, enough to awake your animal soul to fight back. Okay, so think about that for a minute. What does it bring up for you? How does that make you feel? That in the challenge, that's where the joy is. Bring your attention back to your breath, in through your nose, out through your mouth. Focus on your breath. Don't, don't worry about what your brain is doing right now. Slowly start to become aware of any sensations around you, smells, sounds, start to feel your like body in your chair, feet on the floor. And when you're ready, gently open your eyes, take your time. Okay. Thank you guys so much for being here. Um, there was a message in the chat box that was um, reiterating what I said, that awareness is good, but guilt is not, right? So awareness of our struggles is healthy and good. Adding guilt to them, no good, okay? All right. Any more questions before we wrap it up? 
Now's your time. I can even see the live. So if you have a question on there, I can pay attention for a second on the chat box and Zoom. Anything, um, you know where to find me. If you have any questions during the week, if something comes up for you during the week, please let me know. If not, I will see you back here same time next week. And I, any feedback is really, really appreciated. You know, anything, time, class, negative, positive. I use it. I use the feedback to, oh. to, do, to do better. Okay. So please let me know. Thank you so much. Okay. You're welcome. Have a good night. Bye everybody. Bye. Stop the recording.